Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. All right, real, real quick, I promise, before we get into the intro, I just want to say, hey, thanks for the reviews. Keep them coming. Go ahead and uh, continue to spread the word, share the podcast, all that good stuff. Uh, Additionally, I wanted to just take a quick second to talk about the Patreon giveaway. It's coming up very soon. Uh, We're going to announce the Patreon winner on June 30th. And the only thing I'm deciding on right now is to buy a saddle um, for the final piece that Where to Hunt is going to pitch in to give away. I'm thinking it's going to be the tethered um, Phantom, their newest model without the platform, maybe with it if we get enough members in. So if that's something you're interested in, along with um, half a dozen arrows from Vector Custom Shop, three months of coffee from Backwoods Grind, which is our partner, uh, free butchering from Outdoor Addiction Taxidermy, an okayest hunter t-shirt, and a hoodie, a tee, and a hat from Venado. Um, that's a pretty sweet package. All you got to do is go to the link in our Instagram bio for the Patreon giveaway. If you're not sure how to get to that, or that's not something you do is go to Instagram, just send me a message. I'll send you the link. Uh, whichever media makes sense, whether that's email, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, TikTok, whatever it is, we're everywhere. Uh, let me know. I'll send you the link and you can sign up for five bucks a month. And then initially out of the gate, we're going to send you an okayest sticker and an okayest koozie. All right. That's all I got. Wake up and smell the coffee. Backwoods grind coffee, that is. Now, this ain't your fancy schmancy city boy coffee. This is what your grandpappy used to drink. And lucky enough for you loaf around slack asses, they got a subscription service. Deliver any other six blends right to your door, even a sampler. I like the fireside blend, nice and dark, but they got something to suit every one of your tastes, light to dark and everything in between. Backwoods Grind Coffee, for those who work hard and play harder. Well, if you want to try some Backwoods Grind Coffee, enter in code W2H podcast for 10% off. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. And we're back. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast. Today is May 26th, it's almost June. Uh, I'm Eric. Greg here in studio. Yeah, we're, we're back at it. Uh, this is the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, a.k.a. the okayest podcast in the Midwest. We own that title. 
That's something to be said. Yeah. You will be underwhelmed. We <laughs> hope you uh, enjoy whatever shit show is about to come out of our mouths. So, so it's better to under-promise and over-deliver is what you're saying? Uh, no. No, no. Wait. Yeah. Are you under, saying it correctly? Under-promise under and over-deliver. Except we'll probably... Set the bar low yeah, yeah. and hurdle that mother. No, but what's going to happen is we're going to over-promise and under-deliver. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> We're just going <laughs> to under-deliver. We ain't promising anything. Oh, man. So we are sucking back some drop-tine spirits, finally, together. The yeah. uh, double bourbon. It's tasty. Yeah, it, it's smooth, right? Yeah, it's I really mean, I've been smooth. talking about it. You're finally able to try it. Finally able to try it when you only got, like... Two sips of the bottle. I said I'd left. save you some. You did save me some. I appreciate <laughs> I saved that. You a little bit. Just you a little bit. Polish her off tonight, probably. All right. Yeah, it, it's no scotch, but it is good. I, I do like, like it. a good bourbon. So good stuff. It's a good bourbon. Um, all right, our quick sponsor callouts. We're only gonna do the two because we have a really fun commercial now for Backwoods. Wow. If you haven't heard that, it's, I, I did hear that. Yeah, you slack ass. Or what does he call it? What do we call it? Slack asses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Loafing around. Loafing around slack yeah. asses. Um, yeah, but otherwise, Gumleaf USA, Gumleaf Boots. Um, my wife's aunt, actually, or cousin, I don't know, out in Seattle bought a pair, and she just wrote back. She goes, oh, my God, these boots are incredible. They use it for walking the beach out there for finding stuff and going on little adventures, and they do a lot of hiking and such. So uh, definitely not a hunter. But someone that's actually purchased the boots, Amen. I heard about them from the show, and they love them. They're they, comfortable. They're 85, 85% natural rubber, and they have a Vibram sole, and they're handmade. In England. In England. <laughs> Europe, England. Eh. It's all part of it. Italy. I don't know. Um, anyway, if you want to get some uh, discounts on that, actually, specifically, it's a discount on that, <laughs> entering code W2H2020, and you're going to get 10% off of your purchase every little bit helps it sure damn does uh vector custom shop you've been rocking those off do you have it up here i'll do my best all right vector custom shop so if you're into custom built arrows to your spec head over to vectorcustomshop.com you can get them built to your spec uh weighted up front with the ethics archery system the insert outsert system uh, you can get them weighed them from 45 grains all the way up to 175 grains um, in a multitude of different spines. And you can pretty much get them built with a couple different choices of veins. What else am I missing? Custom built to your specs. The spine is what yeah, the like they, make, they make the smallest diameter, right? They are. They they are, are one, of, one of two. They're four millimeter micro diameters arrow. So, yeah. um, I guess if you're interested in checking them out, go to VectorCustomShop.com. And if you decide to order some up, you can enter code where to hunt, and that'll save you 10%. That's where with the number to hunt. My dad got his. He ordered some. You got the two-pack, the uh, okay. trial pack, right? Yep. And uh, That's the part I screwed up on. So you can get the trial pack. <laughs> Whatever two, you want to call it. Yeah, you can get the test pack of two test arrows. Pack, yeah. You can get a half dozen or a dozen. Pretty cool. And so if you get two, then you can kind of dial yourself in and then, yeah, you know. you can find out what you like. You can get a, a three, a 350 or a 300 spine and a 250 or whatever. You can get a couple different ones or you can get two of the same. So if you throw one at a brick wall like I did, 
Yeah, well, that did a lot of damage to your broadhead. Did it mess up your arrow too? The arrow shaft itself is perfectly fine. Oh. The uh, outsert took a beating along with the broadhead, and the knock is no longer... Yeah, it's gone. All right. <laughs> so, But the arrow shaft itself definitely held up to it. Knock on, my friend. Knock on. Long live your broadhead. Mm-hmm. So we had a guest lined up today, but they're dealing with some flash flood stuff and uh, couldn't make it tonight. So we'll get them rescheduled. Our good friends over at the Whitetail Legacy podcast. I was on their show two months ago. I don't know. Time's been just you've not been, a thing. You've been COVID crushing it on all different podcasts, it sounds like. Like a little podcast whore. Yeah. Um, Got to stick with what you're good at, I guess. <laughs> talking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's just Greg and I tonight. That's why he decided to show up and uh, throw some some uh, bourbon back with me. But today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Greg's turkey season recap. And if any of you guys and gals listening want to call in, the phone line's open. We'll take calls. Uh, share with us how that went for you. We had a couple friends that did the Grand Slam. Johnny Utah executed, just like he said he would. And then we're going to switch gears, talk about having the summer off, off uh, what you're going to do on your, you know, your punch list or your honey and your honeydew list probably. Yeah. Um, and then we can pivot into trail cam stuff. I did tell the go, the guys over at Ethics that we're going to be talking about that. So if they call in, that'd be pretty neat. Ethics? Mm-hmm. My bad. Exodus. Brutal. The E got me goofed up. Thanks for the, for the catch. That's why All you're right. here. We're talking arrows. I'm tonight. just like, <laughs> didn't even realize it. <laughs> Yeah, whatever works. So anyway, yeah, they they may or may not call in uh, Jake and Chad over there. But yeah, let's get into it, Greg. You you got a turkey. I did. Uh, my first season didn't go as well. Uh, had one close opportunity. Decided to bring the camera out and try to film my hunt. Should be pretty easy with a shotgun. Decided not to go with a bow. Set up in a brush pile, and of course the bird or birds plural, came from my far right side where my camera was sitting. So trying to swing my gun around the camera through the brush to point at that bird and shoot him, it wasn't happening. It didn't work so well. No, it did not. Um, And then plus, I knew there were some hunters hunting over in that area Mm because it's right on the border of public and another piece of private. And I, I just didn't feel right about taking that shot. I didn't know where those guys were, so I'm glad I didn't take the shot anyway. Uh, waited a few more days and kind of was chasing another group of birds on another end of the, of the land, and lo and behold, those birds weren't there. So then I went back the next morning, and then they were there, and they were a lot closer than I expected they would be. Um, Is that your third attempt? That would have been my, let's see, opening day. That would have been my fourth attempt. We get seven days, so. You hit it hard. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's good that you didn't, you know, risk if, if you knew other guys and gals were over there hunting. I've read, I used to read off, like, uh, incident reports on the DNR's website. Yeah. Most of them were turkey hunters shooting at the turkey hunters because they thought wow. they were a turkey. Yeah, I mean, if you're using a, a three-inch Magnum 12-gauge turkey load, there's pretty good energy there where you could – you could hurt somebody out to 60 yards, I would say, with a, mm-hmm. with a number four or a number five turkey load. That would oh. suck. Yeah. And you'd imagine how you'd feel if you were the guy that pulled the trigger on that? I'd, 
I'd be done. Be done and you'd be done if you're the guy on the other end of that, probably too. That's the horror story. People you stay could away be. from. You lose eyesight. I mean, but there's a lot of weird things that could happen. Hunters like you that take a second to consider that stuff. It's important. Yeah. Well, that's what I was taught. And aside from my dad telling me not to shoot if you don't think it's right, you know, that's what we learned in hunter safety too. So try to let the keep that stick with you. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that was Saturday, and then I had a handful of days left to hunt. I didn't go Sunday because it was, I took a break from it. I figured I overpressured those birds, and they needed a break, and I just needed a break and had other things to do. So came back Monday morning and didn't see anything, or, or I roosted birds. I roosted some birds, and they actually saw me walk in because I walked in too late. I pulled an okayist hunter <laughs> and walked in just as it was cracking daylight, and I looked across the field, and I could see them roosting in the tree, and I thought, well, maybe I can sneak in there. Yeah, that didn't happen. They, they, they saw me and flew the other direction. They flew off the roost. So what you, did you sit it out anyways, or at that point you're like, there's no chance? Or well, back, no, or I sat it out. I did sit it out anyways, and wasn't worth the sit there there weren't any more birds gobbling either so it was kind of tough um and the area they roost in it is public but you're looking at a foot to two feet of water depending on where where you're at so i mean i did sit in there a couple times gave it a try but it was in the evening and didn't see any birds Mm. so they didn't come back till dark and i bailed out of there before dark so by the way byron with the whitetail experience I assume it's Byron. It just says white tail experience, but they say howdy and way to go. Howdy. On the turkey. Thanks, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said also tennis shoes are the new trend. We're going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was season number two for me. So, yeah, I I had a, a week off, and then it was my next my next season. And uh, hunted hard. You know, opening morning went out. Had birds gobbling, but didn't see anything close enough. Had a couple of hens. The next day it was sunny, nicer out, and I got close and had a gobbler within 80 yards and two hens right in my decoys. They were clucking and purring and yelping and making all the hen noises, so it's kind of cool to be able to sit there and hear those birds mimic, you know, make their own noises, and then you can learn how to mimic those with your call. So you kind of... Being a good a good listener at that point, kind of hearing what yeah. the conversation's all about that yep. they're having, and then you're like, okay, I can kind of pick yeah. up on that. You can do, can you do turkey calls without a diaphragm? Uh, a little bit. I've heard you do one before once, and I thought it was our guest. Yeah. Is that on the episode with Steph? Might have been. And you're like, <laughs> that wasn't quite like that. <laughs> How did it go? <laughs> do they do that? What's that? That's more of a. That's more of a cluck, yeah, it, or a putt. That's more of a warning sound, I guess. But to do, I don't quite have the right noise for for a cluck. But it's more of a just a a quick cluck. Ah, sure, sure, I can see it. You know, and, and and a yelp, a yelp is the the multiple tones, and in a purr, it's more of a, a sound of content, and it's usually when they're scratching around, you know, looking for grit and and picking grass that they're they're. Scratching, scratching, clawing, and, and pecking, pecking, and doing their thing. And then they then they purr a little bit, but not very. It's not real loud. Is a group of turkeys called uh, raptors? 
Have you heard this before? No. Raptors are birds of prey. It's true. But I've heard that a group of turkey is a flock. Raptors. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. Like dinosaurs. Okay. I'm just here to take us off topic. Yeah, you That's are. That's my job today. Right down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, they're fucking dinosaurs. They are dinosaurs. Do you ever see them run? They're, they're, yeah. They're like a velociraptor. Oh, believe me. I, I got to watch yes, a few of them run in fear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll just read some comments so people can participate here as, as we go along with the story. But uh, Jose said he struggled to kill a bird with his bow, but ended up killing one with his gun Fourth season here in Iowa. Sweet. Nice work, Jose. Good job. Thanks for listening. All right, so where were you? Where was I? That's your job. Yeah, so I had to let that bird pass at 80 yards. It was kind of a bummer. I couldn't get him to come close enough. I had two of his hens, two out of the four, right in the decoys, and then they got bored and kind of pulled off and crossed the ditch, and I was hiding down in the ditch. And then I was just watching down the end of the field, and the two hens were pulling that gobbler closer, but he never never got in there, and I was going to try and go down the ditch, but it's so mushy. I usually sink hip deep in some of those spots along that ditch, and it's so full of cane. It's, you know, it's like walking on matchsticks. It just crunches, and it makes a lot of noise, and there's just no way I could get down there without getting busted. So I I, wait, I elected to wait it out, and it didn't pay off. Either way, I'd have been, you know, it was on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they had the upper hand, wide open, wide open field. Trevor, so, uh, real quick, says hello to you. Sorry, I'm seeing Sup, all Trev. this. Sup, Trev. So, uh, next day, I decided to move in closer, and it also decided to rain the next day. So, I had moved in, closed the distance, got in there in the dark, and birds were not on the roost. Well, they weren't in that in that one roost anyway, but they were further in. And I, we had thunder. The bird would gobble every time it thundered. So... And we had a little bit of lightning. Is that why they call them thunder chickens? That's why they call them thunder chickens. I mean, like, chickens. that is it, right? Freaking oh, there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And even, like, the first day of my first season, we had thunder and lightning cracking, and the birds were gobbling everywhere. There's that drinking game uh, with, to the ACDC song, Thunderstruck. Do you ever play that? No. You have a group of people, and you go in a circle, and every time they say, uh, I think it's Thunderstruck, you drink, and you keep drinking and keep drinking until the next time they say it, the next person goes. Okay. And one person gets the shaft, like, once or twice in that song where there's just a long pause you should have been playing Thunderstruck by ACDC oh. that day. No, but I wasn't. Can you so, hear it in your head right now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did my job again. Yeah, you did. I <laughs> down another rabbit <laughs> hole. Everyone's got to hate me. That's all You host the show, you piece of shit. No, come on now. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I had that bird gobbling, and then he, he shut up. He got quiet. And no matter what call tone I would do, they get call smart after a while, mm-hmm. you know, they, they know what a call is or they know something doesn't look right about the area and they hear a call from over there, something's up and they won't, they won't come over. So I just elected to stop calling and the bird would gobble. And then I, I could hear him gobbling and coming closer. And then all of a sudden the cane across the ditch from me exploded and here there was two deer. They were like eight, eight feet from me. They came right in and I just stood still and two does and they kept looking over at me and doing the old head, head weave, <laughs> yeah. you know, trying yeah. to get me to move. And they were probably there for two or three minutes. Well, that gobbler had scared them out of their beds. 
And so they had jumped across the ditch and they were feeding on grass kind of nervously. And then they decided to, whew, they bailed. So when they bailed, I figured, well, I'm going to try and make a move. Because that gobbler eventually turned around and started gobbling and walking down the path the other direction. So I was able to get within about 100 yards of him. And when I popped up, he was looking my direction. And the game was over. So didn't didn't do no good. <laughs> so that was the end of the first season. And uh, Close the chapter on that one. Yeah, yeah. And look to the next one. So you had, did you have the second season ready to go? Or no, like, like I said, it was a week. Actually, that I'm sorry, that happened the beginning of my second season. The first, first season was first day of rain and then the rest of it was fairly nice and then the second season started off with one nice day and then a crappy day then I had some I had to go into work and do some projects um and I made it out for that Tuesday Monday Monday I think it was a Monday we had all that rain I looked right at my boots right right when I left the, in the morning mental check right, got my boots yeah mental check boots are right there by the door don't forget them okay Wife's getting up, getting ready to go to go to work. I say goodbye. What do I do? Walk right past my boots. Past my boots, jump in the truck, get down the road, turn down the lane to go down down the tractor path, and it's like a light bulb went on. A red light bulb. <laughs> hey dummy, you forgot your boots. <laughs> Hey, you know what? It's also raining out. You probably should have brought your raincoat. Well, no galoshes, no raincoat. We're going in. Tennis shoes and a sweater. You made it worth it. I made it work. Crawled in the brush pile. Had a few hens come right in right away. Then it was quiet. Then I started shivering because it was cold and the wind was blowing and raining sideways. I got up and walked around the backside of the tree that I was back up against just to get out of the wind and warm up. And then I could see those hens playing further down the ditch. And all of a sudden they, they got nervous and bolted. I don't know if they saw me or what was going on. And all of a sudden they look and there's a gobbler 15 yards away from me right on the edge of the tree line that I'm hiding in. So I knelt down and waited for him to get past this big cherry tree in between the cherry tree and a mulberry and squeezed one off as soon as he got in there and he was done. So... That was the end of it. You made uh, good work of it too. It looked like yeah. Do you have any of that turkey? Or Not yet. It, but you got them. No, prepped. we have. I have not prepped and planned for certain things. So you want to toss one that smoker of mine? You let me know. Okay. Can make it an all-day affair in like a weekend or something. <laughs> <laughs> I parted it up, so I got the, the thighs and drumsticks all together. Um, cleaned them up real nice, and I think I'm gonna actually make stock with those and then whatever meat I get out of it, I'm actually probably going to chunk up and make chili with it. Turkey chili. Turkey chili. What do you you have like uh, any other recipes that you do with that? I mean, is it pretty gamey? I've heard Um, wild turkey is pretty gamey. Yeah. Well, it's so lean. That's the thing. Wild turkey is real lean. There's not a lot of dry meat traditionally anyway. Yeah. So so grilling it, not advised. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can brine it and try and slow, slow cook it but it's still going to be pretty dry. Um, deep frying, it's probably one of the better ways if you want to do a whole turkey. But otherwise, taking the parts, you know, you can you can make stock out of the legs and the neck meat and save that for turkey soup or turkey gravy or whatever. Sounds good. Yeah. And then uh, the meat, you know, you can either leave in there and, and, 
enjoy it with the gravy or you can cut it up and make chili with it. So my wife makes a pretty killer porter chili and I'm looking forward to that. Oh, like a porter beer? Oh yeah. Like a you could use a crawfish. Yeah. yeah. Hobbleton crawfish porter. You got to eat the gravy. <laughs> oh, don't do it. <laughs> don't do Drink it. the gravy. Oh boy, inside, inside baseball. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not really. If you've seen if you've seen Tropic Thunder, yeah. you know what we're talking about. Oh god. If you haven't, no. It's a classic. A modern classic. That's it. That's all she wrote for the you know, the drop time. At least for that bottle. We got another bottle up there. I'm just not going to crack it. No, no. We got to save that. Yeah. Save that for a special occasion. Yeah, if we can make it to November, we'll see. I don't know if I'm going to make it to November. You better make it to November. So with that, I think we've This is a perfect to time one. to take a yeah, quick break for, sharing, for our, our summer punch the shot list. of the week. The shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. Head on over to VectorCustomShop.com. Please take a look around at their website. Figure out what it is that's going to serve you best. Reach out to their customer service. They're excellent. Uh, Vector Custom Shop will build your arrow to your specs, and then they outfit them with the ethics insert-outsert system. When you decide what you want to purchase, you can enter in code WHERE, the number two, the word HUNT, and get 10% off. Please use the coupon. It's here for you guys. We don't get a kickback. It's just so they can track where this stuff is coming from. And uh, as we talk about in today's episode, now is a great time to paper tune and get your practice in. So get these arrows sooner than later so you're not uh, running behind once the season gets here in no time. Let's hear from one of our listeners for this shot of the week. Uh, what's up guys, Anthony Heller here and, uh, Eric and Greg have asked me to do the shot of the week this week. So here goes. Um, this one is a very memorable hunt. It's actually not a shot that I made. It's, it was actually the first hunt that I filmed with a great buck getting killed in it. Um, essentially, and it was one of the worst hunts we've ever been on. (laughs) Uh, so we were, it was my buddy Parker and I, and we were out hunting. It was out of early November. The rut was rolling on through and we were out. We'd been out for three, four days together. Um, I was filming him and we were having some encounters, but not really getting the, the bucks we were looking for. So we ended up going really far back onto this big bean field. And uh, we're sitting on the edge of this field. And a lot of these bucks uh, kind of, it's a very short, narrow field. They come out of one corner and go to another. So we're sitting on the edge of it and what happened was the wind was blowing away from the field and for some reason like as it got later and later in the day it started blowing towards the field so it wasn't a good setup anymore and i was looking at my buddy parker and i was like man what are we going to do like if even if deer come out they're going to smell us right away and he's like yeah we should find a spot to move he's like there's a really crappy two-man ladder stand about 90 100 yards away you want to just drop down into the bottom and sit in that and i was like well if it's a better win then yeah and he's like all right well let's just go do that so you know it gets dark at like six o'clock we drop down there at about 4 45 five o'clock you know unpack all the camera gear roll it lay it down like pull it down pull the bows down parker goes ahead and drops my brand new four thousand dollar camera right out of the tree that was fantastic (laughs) nothing broke thankfully but then we made our way 100 yards down this down the hill into the tree stand, 
got all set back up. Just a janky setup too, for sure. Didn't had no like. Definitely was wearing a safety harness in it. <laughs> One of those that that you don't know who hung it, but man, they were a monkey to even hang it. And we're sitting there, and uh, Parker Parker says to me, he goes, uh, "Hey man, like, do you hear that over there?" I was like, "Yeah, I th- I, th- I just saw a squirrel go in those bushes." We were looking like over this ridge. So like there was a squirrel running the edge of this ridge and it was all kind of like multiflower rose, thick brushy stuff. I was like, I just saw, saw a squirrel go in there. He's like, oh, okay. And we're sitting there and like another minute goes by and it starts rustling again. And he's like, man, I don't, I don't know if that's a squirrel. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a squirrel. I thought I saw one in there. He goes, well, that's a big fucking squirrel. Cause there is a nice buck in there <laughs> and out pops. This really nice buck is about 100 143 inches or so. And uh, it's on the on the other fence line. It's it's on the neighbor's property, and we're about I don't know 40 yards off the property line or so. That buck pops up, crosses the fence line, comes right into us, and stops broadside at 20 yards. Parker draws back, looks at me, goes, "You on it?" I said, "Yep." He shoots it, 10 rings it, and it drops within 30 yards. And it was probably the most the it was one of the more memorable hunts of my entire life for sure. And uh, I was so happy because we had been trying to film each other, shoot a nice buck. And just, you know, for years, like years, like four or five seasons, we hadn't been able to do it because just odds and ends and getting together. And, you know, I didn't want to waste my hunting time. He didn't want to waste his time off. And it was just, it was tough. And we finally made it happen. It was just so relieving. And it was, it was awesome. So uh, that's my shot of the week. You know, he made a 10 ring shot, 20 yards. So it wasn't too difficult, but he said he was shaking so bad. He just didn't even know. He said it was very helpful to actually have the camera there because he could settle his pin and then say, Hey, are you on the deer? And then right when I said, yes, he'd touch that trigger off and shot it. So it was actually, he was saying it was actually kind of a, a nice little check for him so that he knew he was on the deer and, and he had to wait for something else. So he could drop that pin, settle it right in, and then just pull the trigger. So, uh, yeah, that's my shot of the week. And if you actually want to check it out, this is a very unshameless plug. I am uh, very happy about this. You just type in, like, uh, let me see here, Heller A90 uh, Bowhunt Buck into, into uh, YouTube, and uh, it should pop up. Um, yeah, it's the second one on there it's called bow hunting wisconsin whitetail deer 143 inch buck four years ago we put that thing together so um, again it's heller a 90 on youtube if you guys want to check that out uh, but it was probably the most memorable hunt of my life so far and uh and definitely a candidate for shot of the week so that's all i got appreciate you guys having me on <laughs> I have not one. I have things that I know I need to do that I should do. Okay. What do you think you need to do? I need to, I need to get my bow, um, not tuned up, but I need to get dialed in with the vector arrows that I got, um, and make sure I'm paper. I got to paper tune it. Okay. I have so to that's going to be, it. you know, that's going to be a tuning of the bow. Yeah. And, and our friend Jeff, uh, mentioned he's got a, quite the setup for that. That's, um, stationary now. It's not like 
So we could certainly go over there and let some fly two at yep. a time because I only got two. And then once I get figured out, you know, get the rest of the pack. Yeah, that's something we got to get rolling on pretty hard here. Yeah. I'm excited about it, though. Like, I feel good at um, 15 yards right now. Right. But that's not – I need to make sure I'm well, doing good up to 40. I think I won't take anything beyond 35. 30, 30, 30. 35 yeah. might even be stretching it because a deer can react, and I don't care. You know, guys will say that they can beat that reaction time, but I, I – Find it hard to believe. I mean, the guys from Vector, Mike and Isaac, said when they were here that uh, you can't shoot faster than the speed of sound. No, I don't care how fast your bow is. Right. So get get proficient out to forty. Get comfortable to forty, Correct. and then work back in but, from there. But keep in mind that you're probably not going to want to take anything more than maybe thirty, thirty-five. Yeah. You know, I'm excited to paper tune though. I've, I've seen a lot of folks doing it. I initially didn't really understand the concept until I realized like if your arrow's flying anywhere on like an angle, if you think I can't illustrate this uh, audibly, but you know, if you throw a spear, mm-hmm. you're going to see that thing kind of uh, fishtail in, in the air, right? right? And that's what might be happening with your arrow at a very minuscule scale. But at that minuscule scale, the trajectory from the time it leaves your bow towards landing at 30, 40 yards right. is dramatic. And then you're not getting that centrifugal. Is it, I forget the specific type of force. It's not centrifugal because that's in a circular motion, but it's inertia. The inertia coming behind that isn't, the punch isn't there. Nope. It's off center to be like snapping the arrow. Yeah. Not, but not really. So with paper, you're seeing how that's coming through. And right. so the smaller the pinhole, the straighter that arrow is flying. Yeah. Well, if it's a pinhole, that's good. If it's a nunchuck hole, then it's <laughs> yeah. not good. And our friend over at the Ranch Ferry, uh, Troy, had said, like, you know, if you can get that part down, that is the most critical part. That right. thing's got to fly straight before you start building on anything else. So I want to lay that foundation because I'm not even sure right. what that looks like. That being said, people can kill freaking deer with arrows off the shelf all day long, too. Yeah, and but we've, I, I we've done want, it. I just need more confidence in yeah. that. We've done it, but if you want full confidence in everything that you have in your quiver, that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from so many people, my dad included, and I know he listens, that, you know, man, if I now that I know this information, if I think back, how many more deer could I have gotten Right. that it could have punched through something, you know, tricky like a rib? Well, and I've had deer I missed, too, and, and reason being... You know, that arrow didn't fly where it was supposed to. Now, it could have been my crappy shooting, but it could also have been the arrow. Mm-hmm. And but you some, want to make sure that it's only your crappy shooting that could be. Right. Right. Then you have, 100%. I fully rely on this equipment to do its job. I'm the variable. Yep. And then I'll know if I goof. You know when you goof a shot. The oh, yeah. second you pull the trigger. Like, yeah. You, you know, know when you, you pull it. Know. Yep. You drop the bow too soon. Mm-hmm. You pulled it to the left, pulled it to the right. You smacked your wrist one too many times, oh, so yeah. you're flinching it you're a little flinching bit. flinching bad. Yep. Yeah, that. That's one thing, you know, the fundamentals, right? Draw back, get your anchor, anchor point set, make sure you're consistent with that. Get your, and then I always rotate the forearm out a little yeah. bit. What you, what you need to get in the habit of is when you're coming to full draw, do your rotation right there. So when you're anchor, you're, anchor, you're, you're set. done, you're set. See, you're I not farting yeah. around <laughs> trying to tweak your grip because that's what's screwing you. Yeah. Is you're, you're tweaking your grip and the pressure on the riser is changing. So then you're canting the bow, mm-hmm. riser, left or right. And is that what that level's for on my on my? That's, uh, drop, yeah. On my so if in? you can try to, what one thing you can do is practice drawing with mm-hmm. your eyes closed and go where it feels right and then open your eyes and look and see where you're at. Hmm. And just keep practicing that way. I haven't done that. Open your eyes and look to see where you're at. And eventually you're going to, 
kind of get your body to learn. You won't, don't worry about releasing an arrow. Sure, sure. Just worry about executing your anchor, mm-hmm. and then you worry about executing your shot. Because what you're shooting for is consistency here. Right. right? Yeah, you want to make sure that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, when you think about marksmanship, I, with a rifle, I'm It's the same I'm concept. Golden, but you, <sighs> bottom of that breath, you're squeezing that trigger, mm-hmm. and you're doing that because at the bottom of the breath, everything's falling into place where it should be. Yep. Like forcing or jamming or, you know. Right. Putting, you can you can get lucky every now and again, and you'll nail a bullseye once in a blue moon if you do that. But can you consistently do that? Is the is a real trick. And obviously, you want to be able to be able to be consistent and have confidence in your shot when you're shooting a bow. Correct. You can talk about these mechanics all day long. And right, now you got to go have out to and practice, practice and execute them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Michael so, Kreshmer, butchering your last name per huge evening to you, sir. How you doing, Michael? And uh, uh, Libby. Hello. Little birds on. That's right. And Tanzan, what's up? Bunch of new uh, newcomers to the live broadcast. Hey, guys, the phone lines are open. I'll just throw that out there. Oh, boy. So if nope, I... No pranking. We'll, we'll, you know what happens for those pranksters out there. We'll shut the door on you real fast. Yep. Yep. We'll do some weird stuff with your phone number, too. <laughs> Wipe my ass with it, basically. <laughs> no shame. No shame. So what else is on your punch list? I mean, that's the big one. I think I was going to, yeah. it's just hard for me to find that time away from the family because I'm doing this. Right. You know, I'm, I'm uh, constantly right. like bargaining. Hey, uh, can I go do this thing? Um, you know, but that's on me to, to get up earlier and do whatever I need to do to make that happen. So it gets important. It's important right now. I want to get that stuff down well, as much as I can. I'll be a big thorn in your side until you get it figured out. How yeah. that sound. Other than that though, man, like I think, Squaring away some of my other gear, silencing what I got would be beneficial. I learned last year that some of my gear is pretty loud and antiquated, mm-hmm. and you had lent me a stand to use, and I enjoyed how easy that was to set up. I might invest in a saddle. Um, I enjoyed hunting out of a saddle last year with uh, Anthony Heller with Gearvane. That was a really freaking awesome experience, and I don't mean to get on the whole saddle hunting whatever. But it's a tool. It's There's a, just a, it's a nice tool benefit. that... Let's face it, some places it's really difficult to get a stand in. I can see where walking in with literally your stand, meaning the saddle, mm-hmm. is right on you already. Getting up a tree, you don't have anything clinking, clanking, or trying to drag through it's the It's lightweight, no clinking, clanking. Yeah. It's a little easier to get up in. Like, there's a bunch of benefits. So I um, was looking at some uh, saddles for the, the Patreon giveaway. Sure. And I stumbled on the tethered uh, Mantis. Yep. I think is a new one. Yep. Uh, no, there's a mantis no, the and there's phantom. A, the phantom. Okay. The phantom. So I've heard really good things about the phantom from some people. Cause yep. once I posted that, then everyone's like, Oh, the phantom, you know? And I was like, okay, well shit, maybe I'll get that one for everybody, you know, for the, yeah. for the winner. And then I'm like, well, I should probably get one for myself. Yeah. Um, but the mantis is cheaper because it's, you know, well, it's, second it's gen, the, right? Yeah. It's the, yeah. it's one of the original pieces that they came out with. Yep. When the craze really hit. So we'll see, man. I don't know. Yeah. I got to figure that out no matter what I do. But if I get that, then I'm going to silence shit. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I just, the right. stealth will be baked into that purchase. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I mean, this is kind of the, that's the off season. You know, if you're going to stick with a stand, one, this is a good time to maybe try and pick one up used. Mm-hmm. Like I'm probably going to sell a couple of mine. I might sell them. Even exchange. I might sell some of my ice fishing gear or some deer gear. I haven't ice fished. I just haven't done it. My, my shanty broke on me. Like it got all kitty wampus. I didn't want to talk about it. You're it's depressing. Me. 
You know, I built that collection for free. I built that with Christmas gift cards over like five years. But it cost you something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But like I deer hunt I you know, more than ice fish. But the goal is to take the kids. Anyway, that's Either just way, a thought. It's just hole. a thought. Another rabbit hole. I'm just thinking like, well, that's one of the goals, right? You got to afford the shit somehow. Right. right? Yeah. You got to scalp it somewhere. The podcast doesn't make us money. <laughs> no, it doesn't make us any money. Gets us drunk. Gets you drunk. Well, only sometimes. Right here. So maybe, what, about, what about you? Well, maintenance on stands is where I was going to go. All right. So any bent bolts are going to end up being broken bolts. So now is the time, like, you go to Lone Wolf or XOP. Now is the time to go get replacement cables, replacement bolts, all the hardware kits. Stealth tape? Like, is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, or whatever. Whatever, whatever. there's all sorts of shit out there, right? Yeah, there's a lot of different silencing stuff that you can use. Um, We're not endorsed here for that yeah. stuff. No. So, but now is the time to get those parts and pieces ordered before you decide, well, it's middle of September. I should probably get this stand put together because I know last year it had this creak and it doesn't sound good. So you're going to go to the website of the manufacturer that built whatever stand you've got. They have a lead time, especially with the supply chain disruption, right? Crap. They don't have any. They've sold out. They're not expecting any until December. Now what? Well, now you're going to Ace Hardware and trying to match bolts and and, and you've done you know, this before. <laughs> it's been done. I've you know I've done my share of modifying of things too, but it leaves you in a mad scramble to go take care of all this mm-hmm. stuff. You know, if you took a day off from from fishing and said, you know what, I should probably go look for look for hardware or, or get this stuff ordered. You should do that, you know, and then go through your safety equipment, your safety harness. Check that out. Make sure you don't have nicks and cuts in it. Um, you know, if you decided, to, thought about any kind of changes to your gear last year at the end of the season, now is the time to do it for sure. Make your changes. Get out and practice with it. Go up the tree in the yard. Do anything with your camo or anything like that? Not really, man, because honestly, I don't feel that camo kills deer. That's a good point. It doesn't. But, I like, mean, making sure you're comfortable and you have the right layers for things. That's like, that's, that's one thing. And, you know, about. I mean, personally. That shit's I, not, that, that shit is expensive. Is there, like, right. a best time to buy that stuff to get the most discount? Honestly, if whatever your favorite brand of camo is, if you're seeing that they're having sales, that is the best time. What do you wear for your undergarments? All my stuff is first light. Okay. Um, I, I had a buddy that, uh, I've got a buddy that's hardcore duck hunter. And, again, he's not a, a camo guy, but, you know, like. Most of us, we like to be comfortable. Yep. doesn't matter what you hunt. And merino wool base layers, it doesn't matter if it's first light. Um, there's a number of companies out there. Sitka makes stuff. I mean, you could probably get stuff uh, from other manufacturers too, but merino wool is a big game changer. Let's, uh, hold on one second. Sure. Which one's my... Uh... We got a caller. Oh boy. It's not a prank. Hey Jose, you're live on the Word Hunt podcast. What's up? How's it going, guys? Good. It's, How are you? It's real good. Super. Just watching some hunting on TV. Nice. Man, the last time you called us was September tenth of twenty nineteen. Probably for Rut Club Radio is my guess. Yeah, I I think I called about the buck that I'd shot in 2018, I think, with my bow. I do believe so. Is it creepy that I know that date? <laughs> a little bit. 
It's only because my software tells me so. That's how I knew you weren't a prankster. Big brother. <laughs> yeah. What so do you got, man? How you doing? Kinda good, good. Just going to be setting out trail cameras and mineral here hopefully in the next couple weeks and get ready for for October 1st is when it opens up here in, in Iowa, close cool. season anyway. Rock on in Iowa. So, yeah, we didn't even consider, like, what the private landowners have to do. Are you are you hunting public land or private land? All private. Um, I used to, back when I was, like, right out of high school, so, like, 2005, 2006, I did a little bit of public land hunting, but I had too many people walk. You know, I'd get in there, take my time, get in there early, early, and, and never failed somebody right at daylight comes strolling through the timber and I just got fed up with it and started knocking on doors and was able to fortunate enough to get some pretty decent private ground that I've, that I've been hunting now for quite a while. So I got away from the public land and but don't get me wrong. There's, there's phenomenal, awesome public land in Iowa. I just, I've never had good luck with it. So I kind of just stay away from it. No, no, all good. But it's cool to consider what the private land guys got to do to prep too. There's lots of homework you right, gotta right, take care right. of in your punch. What does your punch list look like then? Oh, not too bad. I got most of my honeydew list done. I gotta prep some stands, move some stands. You know, from the movement I seen last year. Um, as far as trail cam pictures and stuff, I'm gonna make some some movements on my stands. But as far as that goes, a lot of my stands I just keep up all year, and then I just. Uh, go check them you know here in the next couple weeks or months or so and i usually change uh straps on my climbing sticks and on the stand itself so make sure those are all good yeah, those are key safety items so it's good yep so but yeah uh turkey season was tough for me here in iowa i usually do pretty good and this year was just tough i could never get a bird within bow range and then I went out, uh, the, would be the second day of four season here in Iowa. And I called four into 12 yards and I was able to shoot it with my shotgun. Beautiful. Rock so, out. You got a favorite meal? We were talking about that a little bit earlier. I, um, I usually just cut them up and marinate them in Italian dressing mm-hmm. and then deep fat fry them is the way I've always done them, I guess. Sure. That's a classic. I've, I've grilled them, and yeah, I, I don't recommend grilling them. You really got to watch them, or they'll dry up on you really quick. Yeah, and you made jerky. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's cool. Give it to your dog for supper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, dry meat's not good. I have some venison brats I cooked, and I don't know if it was the way they were done or the way I cooked it. And according to outdoor taxidermy, it was the way it was done. Really? Less the way I cooked it, but I don't know. We'll see. That was before I had my new pellet grill. So. Not enough fats in them. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm pretty stoked for for uh, bow season. I wasn't able to to fill my bow tag here in Iowa last year, but I did pass up. I did pass up a lot of you know a lot of four year olds that should be studs this year if they made it through. I got four bucks on my hit list i know two of them made it for sure the other two i don't i never heard of them getting killed by the neighbors or anything so um i never did find their sheds but i'm hoping they made it through but 
Yeah, they could have wintered somewhere so, else and dropped their sheds and come back. Yep, yep, that's very true. So I'm, I'm hoping passing all the bucks I passed up last year uh, pays off this year. So, but okay. that's how it goes. Cool. Well, that's great, man. You got you got uh, your work cut out for you here laying mineral down. Uh, we're gonna switch gears in the trail cams here. Are you doing anything with your trail cam strategy over the summer months? What's that again? You do anything with like a, a do you have like a, any sort of, maybe not a specific one, but do you have like any strategy with your trail cams on, on private property? Um, I usually set mine up, um, obviously over mineral. Um, and then I got a couple food plots that I set them over and, you know, I'd probably set out between the three farms. I think I set out about with mineral and food plots. I'd probably set out like six, maybe eight cameras. But then that'll all change once, you know, the, once you start seeing the scrapes slowly popping up here and there, and then the rubs slowly, slowly popping up, then I pull all my cameras off my mineral, usually about middle of August, um, and then middle of August, end of August, and then once those scrapes start popping up, and then all my cameras on all the farms start transferring over to to scrapes and fence crossings and just trying to start patterning those deer, you know, where they're, where they're coming from, where they're going, the time of day. And so it, it's all, it's all fun and games every year. Oh, yeah. I think you got to figure it out, but you don't. <laughs> Have you uh, ever experimented with mock scrapes? Yes. I actually do a lot of mock scrapes. Um, I got some, uh, some synthetic stuff I get from a company called Pops Loose Moose. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of it. Or I haven't not, heard of it. I started trying it last year, um, and I had some really, really good luck. And, I mean, I'm not trying to talk up any products or anything because everybody uses whatever they want to use, you know. Right. And, I mean, you could you could just make a scrape with your foot, urinate in it, and deer are going to come to it because they're curious. Yep, that's exactly you know, what I've done. You, urine urine once it all once it breaks down all year and smells like ammonia you know what i mean so if you if you urinate yourself in a a scrape that you make or one that's already there the deer are going to come to it for one they're going to hit a scrape and two they're curious because there's a new smell in it so but this pop loose moose stuff that i used last year worked really really good for me and um i had really really good luck with it so we did an episode with uh, Cook's Fatal Attraction. He talked about like and using. He's got some dominant bucks on his on his deer farm, and he's like, you know, you introduce a dominant buck scent because this is an old dominant buck, um, literally. And he's like, then the deer be like, well, where's this fucker at? <laughs> you know. And they right, he, right. He, that episode was really interesting because we talked a lot about like how to get inside of a deer's head, kind of so to speak, and. It was, was kind of cool to think of it that way. Like, oh man, I guess I didn't realize you could like psychologically mess with a deer. <laughs> like, they, or yeah. you could do a young buck scent, and he's got that too, and that does a different impact, right? Like where they would feel like they are the dominant buck. But um, right, fascinating how deep you can go with any of these things. Yeah, I mean, any mature buck in in their home core area, if you put out dominant urine you know from a buck from another buck or whatever you're imitating another buck mm-hmm. and it's their home core area i mean they don't want they don't want that that buck around 
they don't want that buck to take over their turf, I guess you would say. And so it's, it should bring them around more. It should have them hit that scrape more, you know, it's, which is what you're trying to do. You're trying to get that buck to keep, keep going from one routine and keep doing the same routine over and over. And hopefully he messes up while he's doing that routine and you capitalize on it. Sure. Yeah. My experience has been, I have one scrape that had been basically going out, pawing up the ground and, Peeing in it. You gotta get all weird about peeing in it. Well, you know. <laughs> it got so awkward. Peeing in it. Peeing in it. <laughs> so, yeah, you pee in it once, and I usually do that probably right before season kicks off, middle of September here, and there's enough interest from younger deer that they come and hit it, and does do and too. And it just kind of starts I just, to yeah, snowball. It just snowballs. I let yeah. them do their thing. I set a camera on it. It stays yep. there all year, and... It, it's funny because it progresses from, you know, the four corns, the six pointers to, you know, they'll go away for a little bit and then there'll be a doe group in there and then they'll, they'll be licking on the branches and rubbing their face on it. And I've got it all on video. Mm-hmm. I've got all my, yeah. my camera sits in, in video mode. And then right. all of a sudden, late October, mid to late October hits and all of a sudden you see eight pointers that are outside the ears and you see the weird, you know, nine pointer or a, a weird non-typical or you see something come in that's much bigger and then you don't see little ones until december again <laughs> right, uh, right yeah i'm out of here guys this, yeah. uh, but it's all nighttime yeah. footage yeah. there's not a lot of daytime footage on it but it's also yeah. a small well, it helps you pattern them which is what jose what you had said you're trying to pattern these deer so yeah and that's a property yeah, i don't yeah. even waste the time on it's just fun to get the, the video footage i don't have any killable deer there so i don't hunt it i i stay on the public where the opportunities are better for me right yeah but it's just a game with the deer i mean you always is like i said you think you think you got one pattern and you think you got one pattern to where oh yeah i know he's going to come into this field tonight or i know he's going to be in this you know in this oak flat or whatever and then you go in there and there's he's nowhere to be found and or you, you think you got him patterned and he just disappears for a week and then you're like, well, what the hell am I doing wrong? You know, what if you're trying to figure out what you need to do and the next thing you know, boom, there he is again on your trail camera. And, I mean, it's just cat and mouse with him every day and that, that's all part of it, I guess. Definitely. That's what makes it fun. Yes, I agree. Well, Jose, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate you calling into the show. Makes yeah, us no feel problem. special. I always try to <laughs> I always try to watch you guys when it pops up on my phone. You guys are doing a live so. Hell yeah. Every Tuesday, man. We ain't going nowhere. We appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Well, hope you guys have a good season, and hopefully I'll talk to you guys again later. Yeah, call Absolutely. anytime. Absolutely. Thank you. Sounds good. Have a good night, boys. You too. You too. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, so with that. Trail cam strategy. Trail cam strategy. Trail cam maintenance. I was talking with the bearded nomad today. Yeah. Uh, Seth, I think. Seth. Yeah. Uh, I'm terrible at names, so no, no, me, I mean, no offense to anybody when I totally forget your name or your brand, I guess. Uh, one of his posts recently was like, I think he brought his wife out with him. <laughs> he put her on his shoulders. Yep. Because he forgot his climbing sticks. Yep. It's an okay center move, by the way, Seth. <clears throat> Attaboy. Same. But... 
doing us proud. That's definitely one strategy on public land that I think you have to do. And at some point, I wonder however many people are coming out with their, their climbing sticks anyways. Like, well, and, it, and that's something that just, I often think about too. It's like, okay, you see everybody on social media doing this one, two sticks high. Okay, I've been doing that already. Mm-hmm. So are you going to start seeing guys wandering in the woods with sticks in July and August with sticks on their back and a, you know a bag full of cameras? You might. It all depends. I'm I just guess. thinking from a theft standpoint. It deters enough if those it folks aren't enough. prepared for it. If you can't yeah. get up there, you can't get up there. Right. But yeah, I even take. I took the extra precaution last year to monk around with, with putting a box on it. You know. Oh, you did. Yeah. The cam lock box? A cam lock box. Yeah. I put a cam lock box on one of my cameras, and I put the thicker Python lock through it because the cam lock box had the smaller, or the, had the bigger holes in it. You drill it deeper or what? No, I didn't have to. Oh, okay. I didn't have to at all. The, the holes were big enough through the camera and the cam lock box to run the big Python. Now, you can still break Pythons if you wanted to, but, boy, it would be a lot of jack around to climb the stick, get sticks, climb up there, on top of it, you're fighting all the deer flies and mosquitoes where I put them. And you're a few sticks high, and you got all that to contend with. Mm-hmm. You know, making noise, and I guess if you want a camera bad enough, you don't care about how much noise you're making. But I don't make it comfortable. <laughs> I don't make it easy for people to want to take them. If they want to take them, they'll figure it out. You know, yeah. they want to carry an 18-volt sawzall out in the woods with them. That's their business, but... Getting up high, taking all the precautions, and if you, you know, if you don't care about that camera, I guess you won't take the precautions. The cam lock box is a pain in the rear, and then on top of that, my next level of security is as I put a security code in my camera. You do get that camera; it's going to be pretty useless for you to mess with or use after, because you're going to have to try and figure out my numerical code to get it out. And use so if it. you do that, you can't even use it. It's not even that no, you can't get the data off. You it, might as well throw it in the ditch. Interesting. Yeah, you'll get and it that, home. And and you're rocking the Exodus trail cams. I'm rocking exclusively. Exodus. Or are you running some cheapos too? I've got one other cheapo, two other cheapos that work still. Um, one's a wild game, and another one is a Moultrie. I like that. Moultrie. Those don't sound like cheapos. They're still they're they're cheapo ones. They're, okay, you know, sixty dollar ones. I think one might be a hundred dollar one. One my wife got me. It takes nice, nice, uh, nice video. Has no sound to it. Um, photos. It's tough because it, I don't know the deer move around so much. I guess where I have them, I got to put them in a better environment where the deer don't move. But mm-hmm. I don't have bait piles to put them in front of. So, so your strategy: cam lock box, thicker cable, put them up a couple sticks high. Yeah. And in places that are pretty ugly to get to on top of it, mm-hmm. you're usually crossing water. And, and you got to go out to check yours. You don't get anything super fancy where it's feeding it to your I phone don't, or something like that. I don't like have that. anything I know that's like a that. thing now. Yeah, I mean, and I, I ta- I've talked, thought about getting one, but you know, there's other, other projects in the works here that maybe I won't be getting one. So wait and see kind of thing. It'd be cool because I have one place in particular I really like to put one. Uh, a cell cam and put put lithium batteries in it that'll last a long time and just leave it soak and don't touch it until end of November or something just to kind of monitor the area and see what's back there and see what's going on. 
You nice. find those things kind of like crack. <laughs> like if you invest in the stock market, you got to see what's going right, on every single right. day. Like at what point is it too yeah, much? I, like, when oh. I first started using <laughs> these things, it was, it was, you know, it was another addiction. Like, you know, just like anything else, you get into chasing big deer, you get to chasing muskies or whatever it is your passion is. It turns into one. It, mm-hmm. it can. You know, I would just want to, I would be obsessive about checking them. And I've had that burn me. Mm-hmm. And I'll go out to check a camera, no bow in hand, in my street clothes, and there's an eight-pointer, a nice eight-pointer that I've been more than happy to shoot, staring right at me. One part of you is, like, excited you've seen something. The other part yeah, the like, other part's like, yeah. it's now he's not going to come back. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, I think I've got it. Maybe I'm one of my old Facebook feeds that I, I took cell cam video of this buck check my camera he had a spiker with him they ran up the ridge and this was in october it was like the first cold snap in october and i could hear him grunting at each other and the bigger buck chasing the little one off i didn't see any does but i was like 10 yards from that buck and he couldn't quite make me out he kept moving his head looking around but he couldn't make me out because i just stood still you know Mm -hmm. best camo was just shut up and stand still so yeah, literally caught pants down, no bow in hand. <laughs> Damn Couldn't it. do anything about it. Shoot video. And how many trail cams are you running? Um, I think I'm running only six. So I kind of cover one area, and if I'm not seeing what I like, I'm going to pick up and move to another area, and I'm probably going to use that strategy even more to, to my advantage this year between that and doing a little more shining and a little more glassing. Um, some of the areas this year have more beans in them, so I might try to do more glassing okay. on the bean fields. Add them on a little bit that way, see yeah. those are, you know, getting some getting chased a little bit more or whatever when you get closer to the rut. Right. Yeah. Right. I know uh, we had Josh, Josh Profit on last year, early season maybe. Okay. He runs. He runs. A, he was on uh, the Exodus uh, Whitetail Cribs. Um, he runs a lot of camps. He runs a shit ton. Yep. I mean, it's like where he bought like the thirty or something, right? Or something oh, it's crazy. more than that. It's more than that. I would lose track of that. Well, I think he's probably he's probably got, got, got some systems. Yeah, he's got a but, system. You know, like that's a, that's crazy. I'd be curious to hear uh, what y'all are doing for trail cam strategy. In fact, I did post something on Instagram for some questions. Let me just see if there's any questions hanging out there for us that we, we didn't address yet. I don't want to leave anybody hanging. Let's see what we got here. Hang in there with us, folks. Okay, so there were some questions. Uh, how do you follow a specific buck from velvet into early October to kill him? If I knew, if I had a wall <laughs> full of bucks, I'd probably be able to tell you. That's a good question. Honestly, man. you know, like right now, everybody's getting excited about, let's go out and get our trail cameras up. Let's Let's see if we can pattern one. I can tell you right now, all the fields that I've walked on the, the edges of, I haven't even seen any fawn tracks. I know fawns have been dropped. Yeah. The crops aren't even up yet. I mean, they're the corn is barely two, three inches tall. The beans, they might be starting to leaf a little bit. Right now is really not the time to get too overly excited. I mean, you right now you could almost even go out and find some of the old rubs from last year. There's, depending on where in the country you are, but... 
further north, you could probably go out and still do some scouting and find rubs and, and maybe even the remnants of, of scrapes on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's not full green up. I mean, here we're definitely full green up, but things aren't quite that far along yet. So I wouldn't get too excited. This is just me and my little bit of experience. I wouldn't get too excited about going, yep, we're going to pattern this buck. Okay, you can throw cameras out. And if you got a big hunk of private land that's unpressured and nobody's messing with it, that may apply. I'm not trying to come off mm-hmm. as holier mm-hmm. than that. No, 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 man. Kind of. You're not that kind of guy. I think we all know that. But if you have that ability, great. Go out and do what Jose is going to do. Set your mineral licks. Set your water holes. If you got little water holes out there, set your cameras on them. Mock scrapes. Set all that stuff. Get get your cameras on them. That's how you're going to probably be able to pattern a, a Trying to get some inventory. Yeah. yeah. What's you're talking, way? you know, like here we're, we're swamp farm country. I call it swamp and farm country because we got swamps and we got farm country all around. The deer are in them swamps, and as soon as everything comes up, the corn, the beans, guess what? Their bedding areas just expanded 100%. Hmm. They'll bet on the edges of cornfields and, and fence lines because they got all that cover. They can bet anywhere and, and, and stay disappeared and come out and graze whenever they want. They can graze on everything around them while they're laying, keeping cool out of the sun. So right now, not quite the time. I like to set my stuff probably end of July. That's when you start seeing deer move around a little more, I think. You just got to spray the shit out of yourself with bug spray. Yeah, or just <laughs> be brave either way. <laughs> brave, stupid, yeah, whatever. Uh, effort in time versus results and intel gained. Worth it. Where do you choose to spend your time? Where do you choose to spend your sweat equity based on the intel that you have? Where are you making a decision to... This is a spot that I'm going to commit to versus, you know, just sweating and sweating and sweating. Right. Like, I'm the sweater. I'll just keep going like a dipshit because I'm like, well, oh, if I were deer, this looks nice. Right. I don't know how to take in some intel, right? What intel are you looking for to decide on a property? To decide on a property? Public land. You talked about like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, the- a lot of it really hinges upon me scouting from the end of the season. So, January, February, March. That's when you're going to get your best intel of what, as to what happened last October, November. And what are you looking for to rubs, decide that that's Rubs good? and scrapes, right. you know, heights of rubs. In high concentration or? Um, you'll see a rub line usually, but not all not all big deer rub, mm-hmm. you know. I'm, follow some of these bigger buck killers if you really want to get more involved with that or get more intel on that. Those guys are going to give you better information than what I'm going to give you. But from what I'm seeing, look for the rubs, look for the scrapes, find the heavily used trails, follow them back to the bedding, but do it in the off season. Once it's green up, there could be a, a hell of a trail underneath all that green stuff. You can see it. I mean, I, I know where some of the trails are in my yeah, area. Yeah, you can see and I And I, I go and look at them different times There's of year. There's not much you can get from that right now. Not short really. Short of a big track. Yeah, short of a big track. Or a big turn. Well, and even that, it, that's that's questionable. Mm-hmm. But if you can get out and do your early season scouting first, find those heavily used trails, and then go back and visit them like right now. It's not a bad thing to do. 
and see, because now that we've got some green up, some of that stuff that's in there is three feet tall. Mm-hmm. You're going to see how little use it gets, or you're going to realize it is heavily used. It's just how it looks when we get that much green up. You'll see a narrow little path through it. But you'll go, well, geez, back in October, November, I mean, this was like a highway through here. Most of these weeds were down. Well, yeah, because the, the frost had killed them. They laid down, and I bet if you kind of move some of those weeds away, you're going to look and say, oh, yeah. This is a pretty heavily used area, or you'll be able to see hoofprints, or maybe because of crop rotation in our area here. Yep. Beans that changes. Are, yeah, right. it changes. Yeah, you got to be cognizant of that. Some, somebody's, somebody's hay field is hot right now. You know, they've had a good crop of hay. We've had good hay this year because mm-hmm. of the cold, the cool spring. Alfalfa likes cool springs. So the farmers are going to be doing real good with hay. Well, if you know there's an alfalfa field somewhere on the other side of this public ground you're hunting, or whatever ground, that movement's going to deviate over yep. to there. It makes sense. You know, and when the beans get up to prime height, about a foot tall, and they can go off and browse on them, that'll be the next hot food source. Right. So right. it's follow their Acorns stomach. Acorns drop. And, Acorns gotta, drop. Yeah, then they're yeah. back out on them oak ridges yeah. again. So Scott Clark just asked, no relation, by the way, he's got an E at the end of his last name, but uh, do you ever feel tra- trail cameras can give you false hope? Um, they end up changing a ghost Oh, do you? <laughs> yes. Chasing a ghost because, you know, one yes. or two pictures. I've got to imagine, man. Like, oh, yeah. How do, how do you not so, fall victim to that? Like, the, I, good luck. I've had that happen. You see uh, something giant on there, you're getting well, I've shown. I, maybe I've shown you pictures yeah. of some of the, yeah. the, the, the one 16 point non typical. How, the hell are you gonna not want to even begin to, yeah. Yeah, from in 2017. And then 2018, uh, the neighbor shot it. But it was a full year before he came back, at least on my camera. He could have been on the other side of the ridge. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was like, wow, this buck was here two days before opener. I should have been here opener. Maybe he was around. Mm -hmm. Don't know. I had two cameras on that property but never saw him. He made the rounds. He did his thing. And nobody nobody shot him. And all of a sudden he came back next November, trolling through. I got him on the camera. And... Two hours later, after I got him on the camera, the neighbor got him with his crossbow. 50-yard shot. Yeah, dropped him, and awesome buck. He wasn't uh, he wasn't 16 points anymore. I think he was only 14. Oh, yeah. Um, real bad. <laughs> Major last, decline. But he last, was a seven-and-a-half-year-old deer, you know. So he – and then talking to the neighbor, some of the other neighbors down the road had him on camera. Yeah. So, yeah, you can chase a ghost. If you really put your heart into it. But if you it, see something like that, you almost feel like you have to take well, yeah. some risk to get out. It was a risk isn't the right word. What it you, scored, don't know. Don't yeah. care. It was bigger than anything I've seen. Yep. Massive. Yeah, you'd be happy with it on your wall. That's about it. Yeah. Happy on your grill. Yep. Last question, and we'll call it a night, guys and gals. Uh, what's your number one rule for stand placement? I'll tell you what my number one rule is. Look up the freaking tree and figure out, <laughs> A, two, so there's two things. One, um, depending if you're left hand or right hand, make sure where you're going to be drawing back at is going to make sense as where the where you think the deer are going to come from based on you know whatever the variables are, where they're bedding, the wind, etc. Right, and then two, if you look up that tree from the base, are you going to be haunched forward, backward? Like, is there going to be a knot in your back? Like, think of those things and where you're going to be drawing and aiming at, um, based on where you think the deer are going to come from. That's 
too many times as a dipshit young hunter, I would just throw it up there and then be like, oh no, well, yeah. this is all wrong. And by the time I get it set, it's set, you know, it's dark and, you know, jackassing around all morning and whatever. That, that's my advice. I don't know what advice you have. That's good advice because even when you've started, when you've just started mobile hunting, mm-hmm. you know, going out and hanging and hunting and taking it down and going somewhere else, you know, after you're done with that particular tree or maybe you hunt it again that night or something. But just assessing it from the base at the, on the, ground, at the ground level because things are different once you're up there. So look at it. Make sure you can. Shooting lanes, right? Well, yeah, I mean, having some shooting lanes are pretty important too, but even just getting the, getting the stand in there and being able to stand up and draw your bow because it's easy to go, yep, I, I know I can throw a stand in that tree. Well, hell, you can put any stand in that tree. But when you're up in it, can you do what you need to do? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to have to make a lot of noise to clear things and move things around to make it comfortable? Mm-hmm. So assessing it is probably and that the biggest seems thing. like a green thing, like, but it's something that when you're in the woods or you're in the moment, you just you just might overlook it, and that's a subtle thing that can make a difference, at least for the newer hunters. That's what I think about even as a, as a no, maybe a novice. Now at least I have some experience in my belt, if nothing else. But those are some rookie mistakes that I've made. That if anything, the worst case is discomfort. Yeah, you know? discomfort or the, the lack of the ability to make a shot yep. because you can't pull your bow yep. back because you're you're bumping a limb right. with your elbow. Yep. yep. But then there's other fun things like, I don't know, can you hang your bow somewhere? Right? Yeah. You got some, and there's Hanging a lot of things you can put on the, a tree as an attachment. Right. Or whatever, but, right. Um, I think, too, knowing, knowing where the deer are coming from, and I know some people will just go out and, this looks great. Yeah, this looks good. Just throw it up there. Well, yep. then you got lucky. Or you're, you're like, this spot's good because this tree is good, but that doesn't mean it's a good spot. Right. Like, th- there might not be a good tree anywhere, anywhere near your spot. We're talking about swamp no. hunting a little bit. Like, you might have to put a thing at, at bucket's height. Yep. You know? And I've done that, too. Mm-hmm. Four, five the only feet tree in the, the whole freaking swamp, but it's high ground, so you got to work with it. I've done that and still had deer pick me off. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> I get up there, I, I pull my bow up, bow up and, and just as I get ready to sit down on the seat, I hear one blow. Yep. And I look and I see a tail bouncing off. Yeah. I, I had the, I had it set too high. So I think what it boils down to, no matter what time of year, getting your scouting in, and I'm going to beat this horse to, to death, scouting is going to help you. Because while you're scouting, not only are you looking for deer sign, but you're going to be looking for the right trees to put your stand in and figure people out. People sign too. People sign too. Yep. That's another thing. But the right trees and know what height to set at. You don't have to be 30 feet up. That's another another crazy thing you see on all the forums is guys they have a certain site. And yeah, and they have a certain, and that plays into it too. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a thermal that pulls your scent down, but if you're two feet higher, that scent just continues to push off. There's a lot of variables. If you sit and overthink it too much, then you just kind of screwed yourself. You've just made it so you don't want You're almost finding excuses to not go sit it. But first time sits, I do believe, are your best sits. And I'm not trying to steal that from anybody, but that's been my experience. I've had my best luck going in. Look at the first time sit we had on the consultancy property. We saw deer. You were like... I was close. You were very close. And that was your. That was both of our first. I'd never seen that, that property at, before. At I just went in there. That's the property. Yeah. yeah. 
We evaluated as much as we could via the map. I told you the intel that I had based on hunting the property we went one in. other time before, and that was it, right? We came close. You could have shot a doe. I, I saw a doe and was real close on a buck. Never could quite make him out antler-wise, but he was there. Mm-hmm. It's just winds were swirling or whatever it was. So it's just a matter of do your scouting. You're not just scouting for deer sign. You're scouting for a good spot for you to sit. Go in there with all the confidence in the world. Set your stand and act like you're going to kill one out there. There you go. It's a good way to wrap it up. Everybody, thanks for tuning in tonight. We appreciate it, or whenever the hell you listen to this. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, your car Thank ride, you. your dog walk, your gym, time, whatever. Yeah. When thanks, everybody. When you're tweeting. <laughs> Have a good night. We're going to end the live feed. We'll uh, catch you later. All right, welcome to our hunting news segment brought to you by eHunter. eHunter stands for Electronic Hunt Resource. So it's eHunt and the letter R. Head on over to eHunter.com. They are your go-to site for anything and everything hunting related. They are your last one-stop shop resource for everything you will ever need. Sit back and let's hear what they got to say for us this week from the headlines. Hey guys, Taryn Hunt here with eHunter.com. Back again with your news articles for May 17th to May 23rd. Before I jump into those articles, though, I want to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day. I want to thank all the uh, military personnel out there. Appreciate all that they do. More importantly, grateful for all those that have paid the ultimate price for us to be able to enjoy the freedoms that we that we enjoy. So, For the articles this week, there weren't a lot of articles, uh, but the ones that we did put up were really good quality articles. I encourage you guys to go check them out. Um, had a couple of them in Wyoming. I'll start there. The first one that we did was on the wolves in, in Yellowstone Park. It's been 25 years since those wolves were reintroduced. And so we put up an article of the wolves in Yellowstone and looking at them 25 years later. So love to hear from you guys and what your thoughts are on the wolves in, uh, in Wyoming, especially those that are residents of Wyoming. Let us know your guys' thoughts on uh, what that landscape looks like now that wolves have been there for 25 years. I live in Colorado and the thought of what it's going to look like 25 years from now, I'm a little bit nervous to be quite honest with you. Uh, great article though. Um, we have one more article in Wyoming. This one's a really interesting one. Uh, this one was about a man that told a judge that he was using bombs to kill coyotes. Now, I've heard of people using bombs. Uh, I, I'm guessing this is kind of similar along the same lines. I've heard people use a Tannerite to kill hogs before, but never thought about using them for coyotes. I'm more of a coyote calling person myself, but uh, it really interesting read. I encourage you guys to go check that that article out. Gonna jump over to California. One of our writers, Matt Spolsky, wrote an article about Camp Pendleton using drones to do deer surveys. And a really good article, really interesting, really great thought process on the whole article and, and thought behind using drones to do deer surveys. Um, you know, the the cost effectiveness of them, things like that. And so go check that article out. Really cool. It's a really cool article. Um, I'd love to hear from any wildlife biologists out there. If anybody has any thoughts on the use of drones to do wildlife and deer studies or surveys, I'd really be interested to hear what they have to say about it. Then the last article that we put out was north of the border in British Columbia. British Columbia is having a little bit of an ethical dilemma right now between um, saving caribou and saving wolves. 
Uh, I'd hate to be a wildlife biologist and, and dealing with that ethical dilemma. But really good article about, you know, what kind of the pros and cons between, behind each species and what they're going to try and do to, to manage both species. So that's it for this week. Uh, but we have some awesome articles that will be published today and tomorrow on the site, ehunter.com. Remember, that's E-H-U-N-T-R.com. Uh, be look on the lookout for those articles. Uh, we'll get them published today and tomorrow, like I said. But got new stuff going up each and every day. Appreciate everybody's support, and we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks. Ooh yeah, you made it to the tip of the week. You are awesome. Give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> uh, Thank you so much for Anthony Heller for sharing his shot of the week with us and also being a weekly contributor for the tip of the week. Head on over to DeerVane.com, take a listen to Anthony's podcast and subscribe to their YouTube channel. Anthony, what do you got first this week, bud? What's up, everyone? Anthony Heller with DeerVane. Hope you guys enjoyed that shot of the week. And uh, this week's tip of the week is that some properties just flat out suck to hunt. <laughs> Sometimes you can be doing everything that you you can for killing deer you know setting up in the right trees setting up on the right wind and having proper entry and exit routes really covering your tracks and it just doesn't pan out and after you do that enough times you know it's it's not you it's it's just that they're the property isn't very good the deer aren't there they're only nocturnal there's too much pressure the crops are in the wrong spot what whatever it is some properties just don't lay out well for deer hunting so my biggest tip is if that's you and you're in that scenario, find new property, find new places to go. And I'm not saying, you know, go knock on everyone's doors or go buy new property or anything like that, but uh, go find a new piece of public, go explore, go check out a new piece. The pieces around me total up to, you know, within 30 minutes of my house, I have roughly 6,000 acres. So I'm very spoiled in that sense on public land. Granted, a ton of it is swamp, so I really say it's you know fifteen hundred to two thousand acres of huntable, uh, deer huntable stuff. But the biggest piece that I've found that has helped me see more deer and have more encounters is that I'm always exploring, always adventuring, and I'm trying new spots. And I'm really, I'm not, I'm never, never really settling on a spot unless I sit there. Uh, you know, one time it's good, two times it's good, three times it's good, and it's just a good spot in certain situations, times of year, weather conditions, different pressure and things like that. So uh, my biggest tip, get out, adventure, explore, especially if you're having a rough go of it, maybe mix it up this fall and try something new. Maybe get out there right now while it's still, you know, not super green, but definitely a little green and, and, and check out some new spots. Hopefully it helps this fall and uh, you can actually start seeing some deer if that's the boat you're in. All right. Catch you guys later. Hey, we appreciate everybody tuning in and uh, listening to the show. And uh, hopefully you're learning something every episode, whether that's practical or useless. I don't know. Uh, but we appreciate your listenership. Go ahead and give us a review and rating on iTunes if you have iTunes. Otherwise, uh, if you don't, you know, you can leave us a review on Facebook, I think. And uh, if you love us so much uh, and you feel like you want to spread the word, please share the podcast. That's all we got for everybody this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week, Tuesday, live from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then we produce on Tuesday night. So you'll be able to listen to the whole episode uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Have a great day and I'm public.